Well, as a kid growing up in Texas where it was hot, one of my favorite things to do was go to a water park. And uh, it's no different now. I'm a big kid that lives in another hot place like Phoenix. And I would love to go to a water park. We have one. It's called Hurricane Harbor. But a little pastoral confession to you, I have never been in eight years. I know, I know. I'm sorry. really sorry about that. I haven't ever been. But we've talked about going a lot. And, and primarily because when I was in Texas as a kid growing up in a youth group at a church, we got to go to what was then Wet n' Wild, which is now Hurricane Harbor. And we got to go to it in the middle of the night after a conference we went to, and they shut down the whole park just for us. And so you can imagine this, like there were no lines. We were just kids like living the dream, right? We we're just going up the, the, the stairs and going down the slide and just repeating that over and over. And so I still talk about that with my wife of like, when are we gonna go to Hurricane Harbor, right? And I know they're not gonna shut it down for us. Like I know there's long lines, right? But we talk about that all the time. We were talking about it recently, and I know summer is over, like school has started, but let's be honest, people, you live in Phoenix, the summer is never over, okay? Right? And so we could still like get wet, like we could still go to a water park, like it's okay, but, but we, did, we weren't able to go even this weekend. Uh, but my wife comes in the house, and she'd been outside in our backyard for a little bit. She says, hey, I got a surprise for you. And I walk outside, and I see this. <laughs> it's a pool in a pool, people. Who needs a wave pool at Hurricane Harbor, right? When you got a raft in the backyard and your own pool and you can see from my kids and even my dog, can you see my dog? Even my dog, like they're loving this. And it doesn't matter that it's simply like from Walmart, like a big pool that I think was leaking air. <laughs> In our current pool, it wasn't Hurricane Harbor. It wasn't the sensational, it was really just the simple, but they could not get enough of it. Now, why do I tell you that? I tell you that because we're in this story of Jonah that, that, that is sensational. And many of you, even if you didn't grow up in the church, you know some of that sensation. You know, it's about this guy and he gets swallowed up by this great fish. And you know that sort of sensational part of the story. And sometimes you miss the simple but equally as profound parts of the story. See, we're going to look at a part of the story today that's not as sensational. There's not a big giant fish swallowing a man, but there is a God through a flawed prophet changing hearts and seeing people, a city that's evil like Nineveh, go from evil to obedience, go from full of sin to full of faith. And I would just tell you, I think that's even more amazing, but it's simple and so I, I want us to see that and pay attention to that. So we're gonna read the passage and we're gonna break down what we should not as underestimate about God's simple, scandalous grace. So look at God's word with me. Jonah chapter three, we'll start in verse one. It says this. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time saying, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city going only a day's journey and he called out yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown or destroyed. Verse five, and the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh and he arose from his throne. He removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. 
And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows, God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he said he would do to them and he did not do it. Here's a brief Recap of where we are in the story of Jonah, if you are new. Chapter one, the first week, we looked at this simple, like, hey, God calls Jonah, but Jonah runs. And we talked about how you can't really run from God. Like we see in the Psalms, like God's everywhere. He's even in the depths of Sheol. But, but nevertheless, Jonah gets called by God and he tries, keyword, he tries to run from God. But we see in chapter two, we saw last week, God pursues and in his discipline and in his grace, he wakes Jonah up to his running because running is sinning. And he wasn't just running to Tarshish, he was running to death because sin leads to death. And so God and his grace and mercy, he wakes Jonah up, but it's uncomfortable. It's literally him being thrown into a sea, swallowed up in the belly of a fish, but that uncomfortable grace is undeserving grace and is what calls him and compels him to now in chapter three, to obey God and to see not just that God calls, not just that God pursues, but that God saves and he saves a whole city as he compels Jonah to obey. So that's the first thing I don't want you to, um, to miss or underestimate. You can write this down. The first thing is don't underestimate simple obedience. Don't underestimate simple obedience. Look at verses two and three. God calls Jonah a second time to go to Nineveh. Uh, it's really a repeat of chapter one. Literally, it's the same thing. God calls Jonah, arise and go to Nineveh. In chapter one, Jonah arose and he went the opposite direction to Tarshish. But here, he actually obeys God. He arises and goes to Nineveh. And what I want you to see is this is really simple, but, but I have to tell you, before we get to the simplicity of Jonah's obedience, I, I want you to see it's simple, but it's not easy. Like last year, I, I got to run a half marathon. And I don't know of anything simpler than running, right? I mean, anybody can do it. Like uh, you just like swing your arms and move your legs, right? And even in the half marathon, like, like they give you lanes, like they show you where to go. It's not a mystery. It's very simple. They give you pace setters so you can time yourself and you get to follow them and they're just holding that big sign up. It's very simple, but it's also the hardest thing I have ever done in my life. Right, I'm 40 now, I was almost 40 then, and it hurt to walk around, much less run for two hours, okay? Simple, but hard, that's obedience. Anybody tells you that obedience is easy, run the opposite direction. Right, if you're reading a devotional, it's like obedience is easy. Like go read the gospels and see Jesus. Yes, loving Jesus who called all the little children to himself. Go read him say something like, you wanna know what it looks like to follow me? Take up your cross this heavy cross, deny yourself and you follow me. That's obedience, it's hard. Some of you are wrestling today, man, it's hard to obey God. It's hard, that's true. But it is also simple and clear. And we see that with Jonah. You look at it with me, you see this is a simple mission. 
It's a simple mission. It is Nineveh. That's the mission. He doesn't mince words and say, well, hey, I was thinking about, you know, uh, Jerusalem. Uh, actually, it's got maybe Tarshish. Um, Nineveh, like I'll get back to you, Jonah. <laughs> is that how it goes? No, for the second time. Arise, go where? Nineveh, right? It's very simple and clear, the mission. The message is, is simple and clear. He literally says, hey, I want you to say what I tell you to say. And you can't get more simple than that. The method is even simple. Hey, for the second time, I want you to call out. That means to proclaim or preach the word of God. The mission, the method, the message, they're all very simple, direct, and clear. Now that was a hard task, but it was very, very simple. In fact, you see it in Jonah's proclaiming or calling out, don't you? I mean, just look at verse four with me. Look at Jonah's eloquent, powerful sermon. Yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. I know some of you got some tears in your eyes right now. I mean, you're just like, man, I, I'm gonna put this verse on a coffee mug, like just drink out of it every morning. You have 40 days and you will be overthrown. That's so powerful, right? Like Billy Graham is shaking in his boots right now. It's five word sermon in Hebrew, eight words in English. Simple. Some of you are thinking, Tim, could you like learn preaching from Jonah? And like, could you do a five word sermon? Sorry, I'm already over five words. Let's just keep going, right? Why not? It's so simple, right? A five word sermon in Hebrew the simple message, the simple method, the simple mission, and yet we're gonna see through the simple, God brings the sensational. It's the biggest revival in all of history. The biggest city in the ancient world turns from their evil wickedness and they begin to fast and put on sackcloth, which is a sign of mourning. And they begin to turn away from their evil and turn to God. But it doesn't happen through an angel and it doesn't happen through a parting of a sea. It happens through one person's simple obedience because that's how God works. And then you could read Jonah and you could see the sensational fish and you could miss the sensational, simple obedience. And I don't want you to do that. And neither does God. See, here's the reality is we're called to the same obedience. Right? We're called to the same obedience. Like Jesus gives us this, it's called the great commission in Matthew chapter 28. It goes something like this, make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you and baptizing them in his name. And that's a simple call, right? Some of you haven't been in church very long. Like you know about that verse. And it's, it's to go to everybody we know, everybody God's placed us around. It's a simple message with a simple method. And God's called us to that as well. But many times we dismiss that. And many times we, we actually just get weird with it, don't we? I mean, we gave you these bookmarks earlier in this series and said, hey, we want you to write down names and we want you to pray for them. We want you to try to start talking to them about Jesus. And some of you are like, okay, Tim, like multi-level marketing, is this, like I knew it, I knew this bait and switch, I knew it was coming. And some of you get weird with it. In fact, I wrote down in my notes, it's not on the screen. I wrote down, don't get weird, just be a witness, right? This, is, this doesn't have to be weird. This is you simply, it's like Jonah. He simply shares what the, the message God has given him. 
One of my favorite verses in all of the Bible is Acts 4.13. In Acts 4.13, you see a smaller group of the disciples and you see some other people around these disciples. And it literally says, Acts 14, go read it, Acts 4.13. It says, they were astonished by the disciples. And do you know why they were astonished? It wasn't because of their seminary degree. It wasn't because of their four-point eloquent sermon. It was because they were astonished because they could tell that these guys had been with Jesus Christ. I love that, right? Because that's what our call is, is that people around us through word and through deed, they could tell you've been with Jesus. Your words kind of sound like Jesus's words. Your actions kind of look like Jesus's actions. And that's the simple mandate that we are called to as well, just to simply obey that. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's easy. It wasn't easy for Jonah. It wasn't easy for him to go 550 miles across land. Probably took him a month on a camel or by foot. That wasn't easy. It wasn't easy for him to go to not just an evil enemy, but his evil enemy. The Ninevites, the Assyrians, they directly attacked the Israelites, Jonah's people. And they didn't just like attack them. They They skin people alive. Like you can go see artifacts in the British Museum in London that show like monuments that that were created that archaeologists have dug up from the Ninevites, from the Assyrians of what they did to people, how they cut off heads and how they put them on posts throughout the city. They, They weren't just evil. They were proud of their evil. And they did that to Jonah's people. And he travels to them, and he proclaims in obedience this simple message that was hard to do, but it was direct from God and God used it. Jonah was a flawed prophet, but God used him. Not a miracle, not a sign, God used him proclaiming the words of God in simple obedience through the hardships to save a whole city. You need to know at Phoenix Bible Church, this is the heartbeat of our church. Every single Sunday, we're praying people cross over from death to life in Jesus' name. Amen? I hope that's what you're praying for. If you know Jesus, I hope hope that's what you're praying for, not just in this room, but in your room at work, in your room at school. That is the heartbeat of our lives, that people might, might hear and see in our lives that we have gone from death to life in Jesus, and they have the opportunity to do that as well. That's the heartbeat of what we do. That's why we do everything that we do. You see, you might look at Jonah's message and some of you struggle with that. Okay, Tim, we're in a series about scandalous grace, but Jonah's message was 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. You're like, that doesn't sound like scandalous grace. That sounds like doom and gloom. And maybe that's why you don't share the gospel is because you kind of think that's doom and gloom, Tim. I I don't want to be involved in that, but you need to know that is grace. That is grace. To to call somebody from death to life, you know what they have to realize? They're dead. They have to first realize they're dead to be introduced to new life in Jesus. And here's what doom and gloom would actually be in this case with Jonah and the Ninevites. It would be if God showed up and said, I want you to tell them today, not 40 days, today you're going to be destroyed. Or it would be that God never gave them a warning at all. See, we talked about that last week. God's judgment, it's not saying you're gonna be overthrown, destroyed in 40 days. God's judgment is letting people continue in their sin and get exactly what they want. And in the end, 
Romans 6, the wages of sin is death and never getting a warning, right? Some of you think, I, I don't wanna share the gospel with people. I, tell me, I, 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 people even in this room, like you say, we're praying for this every service. Like, man, I, I don't want my family member that I'm thinking about who's antagonistic towards the faith. Like, I don't wanna upset them. I don't wanna offend them. No, no, no. You don't want them to not like you, which is not loving, To be loving is to tell somebody, like my kid who's running out in the street and gonna get hit by a car and die, to be loving is to run after my kid and yank him back. And if they scrape their knee, that's okay. That's better than death. That's love, amen? That's the call of Christians. That's the call of Phoenix Bible Church. And we're reading this to be reminded of that heartbeat. I've just been reminded of that heartbeat as I've gone through this series, that this is what our church is to be about, is to extend, yes, the discipline of God, but also the love of God, the death that people are dying and going to hell in their sin, but also the life that's available in Jesus' name. That's what we're to be about and obey and share with our lives. That's what this merger is about. The potential of this merger is not about filling people in a room. It's about filling the city of Phoenix with disciples of Jesus Christ. Don't get it confused. That's what every day, like we're Phoenix Bible Church. And I know some of you come to our church because you're like, well, they preach the Bible, like the full counsel of God's word. Yes, we do. But listen, if you say you love the Bible, but you don't love the people the Bible calls you to love, then you don't actually love the Bible. You love words. You love literature and maybe you love yourself, but you don't actually love the Bible because it compels you to share God's word, the Bible with other people, amen? This is what we're called to do. You see the power of it in Jonah's life. Just a simple proclamation of the words of God. That's what we're called to. Does your life look like that? Do your prayers look like that? Is your heart aligned with the heart of God like that? That's what we're meant to see in the book of Jonah. Here's our second point. Don't underestimate desperate faith. So here's what we see is Jonah proclaims the word of God. Verse five, look at that verse. The people of Nineveh believed God. The people of Nineveh believed God. One statement, you could easily miss it, but don't. Remember who the Ninevites are. They're an evil, cruel people who are callous about it, who are proud of it. They weren't a people who believed the God of scriptures. They were uh, people who attacked other people who believed that. And yet in this moment, they believe. And it doesn't just say they believe, like give mental assent. No, they give action. This is desperate faith followed up by committed action. You see things like fasting and sackcloth. Fasting was just a symbol of being committed to God. So committed to God as your ultimate priority that you would sacrifice lesser priorities like food and drink to show that. You see them put on sackcloth. If you ever did like a field day when you were a kid and you did like the potato sack race, That's like sackcloth. It's not very comfortable. They didn't wear it because it was a new fashion trend. They wore it because it reminded them of the inward reality of mourning over their sin. And every time that that, that sackcloth scratched their neck, they were just reminded, hey, that's what sin does. It scratches my heart. It, it, It leads me to death. And I don't want that in my life. So they fasted, they 
They prayed, they wore sackcloth, they, they repented four times. You see this word turn, turn, turn. They turned from sin and they turned to God. That, that's, that's maybe more simple, like there's not some sensational fish or miracle there, but you need to know this is the biggest miracle of the book of Jonah. It's maybe the biggest miracle, biggest revival in all of history. God changing evil hearts of a whole city, it says from the greatest to the least. It's a miracle, but it's through simple means. We even see this proclamation from Jonah. Did you notice he only, get a day, he only gets a day's worth of a journey into the city that takes three days worth of a journey? He only tells a portion of the city about the word of God. Those people that he preaches to, they start to preach to other people. These pagans turn to preachers and it makes it all the way to a pagan king. And that pagan king, he turns into a preacher as well. And he gives a decree to the entire city. Did you notice even the animals, like even the cows can't eat, they're fasting. I mean, it's just like all these pagans like turn to preachers. Jonah doesn't reach the king. The word of the Lord reaches the king. Because that's what kind of desperate faith that leads to action, that's what it does. It's contagious. But it doesn't terminate on one person. It spreads. I've seen this recently, and I've shared about it with you. I've seen it recently, primarily my, my dad. Uh, just an incredible season of faith and a really hard time. Uh, and a really hard season, I've seen an incredible season of faith. Uh, just recently, in fact, this last week, we got on a conference call, my sister, my wife and I, and, and everybody got on a conference call with my dad because he's gotten some, some bad news that there's a setback with his, his cancer um, and they're gonna have to do some different kinds of treatments and sort of reassess things. And uh, my dad's telling me this, he's talking to the oncologist and the surgeon. And he says, I just, uh, I told both of them, well, hey, wait a second, before we do all that stuff, uh, y'all need to go back in there and look because it's been a month and we've prayed a lot and a lot of other people have been praying for me and maybe something has changed. And I'm like, you know, the son, and I'm like, dad, just, we just do what the doctor said? And he's like, no, 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 I wanna see, like I want them to go back and look because maybe God changed something. And guess what? Both doctors agreed with my dad that they should go back and look. His desperate faith, followed up by action. Because of the season my dad is in, lots of people are reaching out. Many of you are reaching out. People like we know in this day and time, but also people that I knew when I was a kid growing up in church are reaching out to my parents and saying things like, hey, hey, your faith, like not just in cancer, but your faith like a long time ago, man, it still impacts me today. Some people in our lives that my wife and I have been friends with who have encountered my parents for a brief time, that people that we're not friends with anymore, they still talk to my parents. <laughs> Some of you are like, I was texting with Jimmy the other day. I'm like, what are you texting my dad for? Like, we don't even text, right? But you're just like, well, I don't know. I mean, your dad has impacted me. I feel like it's the dad I never had. I'm like, he's my dad. Right, but you're just like, well, you've seen something. You've seen desperate faith in action. Listen, my dad doesn't have a seminary degree. My dad's not a pastor, but he's a proclaimer of God's word in simple obedience, in word and in deed, in a, in a season of victory, like when I was younger and my dad was healthy, in a season of difficulty when my dad has cancer. And it spreads, right? That's what desperate faith followed up by action 
That's what it does. And some of you look at your lives and you're thinking, Tim, like, okay, fast and repent. Um, I, you know, that seems so simple. I mean, I just, you know, I wish God would throw me in a fish and spit me out. Then like people would know at my work. Then like my family member who doesn't know Christ, like then they would be convinced. Listen, don't underestimate the power, the simple scandalous grace of God expressed in your life through dependent faith upon him. Don't wait to repent or fast or respond and believe to God because you don't think he's gonna use it. Jonah was a flat out mess, but God used his simple faith, his obedience. These were pagan people, the most pagan of their time, this pagan king, and yet God uses his faith to save a whole city, bring the biggest revival ever known to man. God can do the same with you. Here's our last thing. Don't ever, see how I upped the ante? Don't you ever, I just think that's funny. (laughs) Don't you ever underestimate the scandalous transformative grace of God. See, the beginning of the book, we see Jonah is called to go to Nineveh and he arises and he goes the opposite way. And it's beautiful. And again, you could miss the simple, right? In Jonah chapter three, the same command, but it says a second time. A second time. Don't ever underestimate the transformative, scandalous grace of God. Some of you, like Jonah, are self-righteous. You're thinking that lust and and pride and gossip and greed, like those sort of scandalous sins. Like, no, I'm just, I'm good, Tim. Like, I go to church. Well, you're self-righteous. Congratulations. Right? And that's sin as well. And some of you are are just like Jonah. You're this prophet. You're this person who grew up uh, in church, was born in a pew. And you see the grace of God, they need it. Sure, they need it. They're really bad off. But like, you're not sure that you need it. And you won't fall into God's grace with him and, and wherever that leads. And you need to see God uses people like you. God uses Jonah's to reach Ninevites. That's not just the story of Jonah. That's the story of scripture. I love it. In Jonah chapter four, Jonah, right before he gets mad at God, Actually, in the midst of it, he says, God, I'm mad at you. You know why? Because I know, I knew, he quotes Exodus chapter 34. He says, God, I knew you were gracious. I knew it. (laughs) I knew you were abounding in steadfast love. I knew you were a merciful God. Jonah says, God, this is just who you are. This is your MO. This is how you roll. And it is. God uses Jonah's to reach Ninevites. God uses self-righteous to reach the sinners through his grace. That's what we see in the whole arc of scripture. So we see at the very beginning with a guy like Abraham. You know Abraham? The founding father of our faith, like Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons, they had Father Abraham and I was one of them. Okay, I grew up in church. I don't know if you guys did. Uh, Yeah, yeah, it's okay. Abraham, founding father of the faith. Do you know what Abraham also did? Like if you actually read the story, he lied about his wife being his sister, which that's wrong, but it's also weird, amen? That's weird. That's the founding father of our whole faith. A guy like Moses. You've seen the movies, like hopefully the Charlton Heston movies, not the Christian Bale one, because it's not good. Charlton Heston, like I still remember that deep voice, let my people go, right? That's Moses. But did you also read that Moses kills somebody and hides the body? That's Moses too. 
You know, David, like the man after God's own heart, we just preached on David a couple months ago, the man after God's own heart, adulterer and murderer. Here we go to the New Testament. Who's the rock of the church? Peter? He denied Jesus three times to, to a middle school girl. Like, I'm sure she was intimidating. But that's who, like, that's who God works to build his, his church. Paul, who wrote two-thirds of our New Testament, the greatest missionary and church planter our world has ever known. He used to be called Saul, and he used to not just be mean to Christians or indifferent to them. He tracked them down to kill them. Don't ever underestimate the scandalous, transformative grace of our God, amen? This is who he is. This is what he does, and it's what he can do in your life. And so question this morning is, is you need to ask, who have I given up on? Who have I written off? Maybe it's that person at work. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your adult child. And you just think, man, I just, I failed at this. It's not going to happen. Maybe it's your sibling. I'm a, I'm a pastor, but I'm a person too. My wife and I have family members who don't know God. And sometimes I pray for them, but sometimes I think, man, we've already had that conversation. I know where they stand. Who have you given up on? Who, who do you think is beyond the scandalous transformative grace of God? You're here today not by accident, but by appointment to see people like Jonah, reach people like the Ninevites, and you're here to be reminded no one is beyond the scandalous transformative grace of God. Amen? No one. So some of you need to, I know all of you, like 100% of you grab this bookmark and are praying every day for your friends. But in case like one of you, like, you know, one of you hasn't the prodigal son today, okay? Like there's grace for you. Grab a bookmark. You're like, well, the series ends next week. This isn't about a series. This is the mission on our lives. Grab a bookmark, write that name down and see God not only transform somebody else through his grace, but as you pray for somebody else and you proclaim his message to somebody else, it's going to change you too because that's what God's grace does. Amen? So some of you today, you're not a Christian today, you need to respond in what could seem simple, but it's desperate faith. Like you need to stop listening to me, you need to start talking to Jesus. See, here's the message, the simple message of Christianity. Jesus died for your sin. He rose again and defeated it. And as you give him your sin and you give him your life, you can be united in a right relationship with your creator for all of eternity. That's the message of the gospel. You stop listening to me. You receive that in Jesus' name with some desperate faith. Some of you say, well, Tim, I've already done that. And you're a Christian in this room. You need to start looking around the room and looking around your neighborhood and looking around your family and your office space. And you need to see who, who, who do I think is beyond the grace of God, that God may use my simple obedience to proclaim through word and deed the grace of God to them to save their lives and change them for all of eternity. May we be a church that does that, the simple things to see God's scandalous grace work wonders in the lives of people. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, uh, God, I thank you for your simple, scandalous grace. God, I pray that we would respond to it. I, I do pray for the, the men and women in the room. Maybe a lot of us would say, hey, I, I've responded in desperate faith to Jesus, but, but I'm, not, I'm not proclaiming. I'm not sharing that with other people. I'm keeping that inside. 
And God, maybe we would even say we love the Bible and we love you. But the reality is other people in our lives, they don't know that and they don't see that. And God, without you, they're dying and going to hell and you have placed us, not a sign, not an angel, you have placed sinful people to proclaim your simple truth and to see other people changed by it for eternity. God, we don't have to be a part of this. You could have done it in a different way, but we get to be a part of it. And God, that's, that's amazing grace. God, that's scandalous grace that you use people like me, use people like us, use people like Jonah to reach people like the Ninevites. And God, I just pray that we would be a people that would understand that, receive that, get excited about that and see the fifth largest city changed by that, to see our family members changed by that, to see ourselves changed by that kind of grace. God, that's our prayer. You can do it. We trust in you. And everybody said, amen.